Paul writes, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. This is God's Word. You may be seated. One of the things that uh, uh, happens at camp, as you know, is uh, our, our kids have an intensive week with, uh, with their peers and with teachers and with other kinds of spiritual leaders. And it's a very intensive week of, of prayer and of worship and playing together and eating together and crafts together, study of God's Word together and times of, of service together. And what happens a lot of times at camp is uh, our kiddos decide that it's kind of a tipping point for them. They decide that this is the life that we want to live. I want to make a commitment to Jesus of Nazareth. And they decide to be baptized. And two of our young people were baptized this last week at Camp Zenith. Uh, Natalia Estrada and Jared Garrison were baptized this week. And before we get into our study, you can go ahead and clap. It's a happy thing. Before we get into the message, as you know, we, uh, we always pray and we're going to ask God to bless these two young people as we ask God to bless us as we get into this study. And let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for all the influences in this life, the ones that we see and even the ones that we don't see in the moment but see later on in life that are the, the, the pointers and the compasses and the nudges and the, the goads that point us in the right direction. And we're grateful for, for Natalia and for Jared and for their decision. And we pray that you will bless them in the coming years with an even keener and greater awareness of your presence in their life. And that all of the truths and all of the promises, Father, that are theirs because of being a daughter and a son, being adopted into your family, are theirs for all of eternity. And we pray, Father, as a church, to help continue to nurture that faith until the point that it flourishes into something even beyond our understanding of beauty. We pray this for both of these. And as we finish out our study of Romans this morning, Father, we're asking that You give us eyes to see and ears to hear, to understand the conclusion of this great book. And Father, we, we have been so blessed by it and we're so grateful for the message of Romans and the way that it directs our heart and our mind and our soul in the world as we live it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I ask if you can give me just a little bit more volume. My voice all of a sudden has decided uh, it's a weakling. <laughs> One of the most acclaimed movies in cinematic history is Steven Spielberg's Schindler's List. Oscar Schindler was an industrialist and a womanizer and a war profiteer and a Nazi but oddly enough, the one man who saved more people from the Nazi concentration camps than anyone else. 
I saw the movie as many of you did when it came out, and I was overwhelmed as you were when you saw it for a long time afterwards. And one of the most compelling scenes is at the end. Schindler is leaving his factory as the war is ended, and he shares the news with his employees. His employees just happen to be the Jews that he bought from the Third Reich, and they are the Jews that make up Schindler's list. And Schindler tells them that they are free, but he is going to be hunted for the rest of his life. It is a moving scene, and Spielberg films it with great genius, with great skill. The Jews begin to gather around Schindler as he walks to his car, knowing that he is the man that has saved them from death at the hands of the Nazis. And as he walks to his car, they gather around him, and as he gets to the car, he sees his car, and he says, My car, my car. Why did I save my car? Why did I save my car? In that moment, he realizes that had he sold his car, given the money to the Third Reich, as he had done when he had liquidated all of his assets, he could have saved three more Jews. And he's overwhelmed by the thought. He looks down at his lapel and he says, My pen, my pen. Why did I save this pen? You know, the amazing thing is that Schindler did not really give the Jews much thought until he hired that little Jewish CPA. And it was that CPA who pointed out all of the faces, all of the names, all of the lists of the children and the old men and the women and the families and the singles that were boarding the train for Auschwitz. The original working title for the movie was Schindler's Ark which in some ways might have been more appropriate because Schindler's List was more than just a list. This morning, we come to the end of our study of Romans, and at the end, we come to the list in Romans. The list of names. Now, if you've ever read the Bible, and many of you have read the Bible more times than, than, than I have, there's a list of names all over the place. There's a list of names from Adam to Noah prior to the Great Flood that illustrates how men were populating the earth while at the same time regressing spiritually. The entire chapters, there are entire chapters of the book of Numbers that are devoted to the naming of families and and genealogies. First Chronicles, the genealogy of King David. Lists of clans and heads of households were needed for the repatriation of the land after the captivity to Babylon is found in Ezra and Nehemiah. People needed to know where they belonged. Even Jesus Himself, the Messiah, had two lists. Two lists of ancestors. One in Matthew, the other in Luke. To show that He was indeed the Messiah, the promised Son of King David. And that He, as the Son of David, is King forever. But what usually happens, what is general practice, is that when we come to these names, we skim right over the top of them. We skim right over the top of these lists of names. They're difficult to pronounce. We don't really know them anyway. And we just really do not pay much attention to these lists. About 25 years ago, I heard a sermon by Fred Craddock over this text that changed the way that I thought about the list of names in the Bible. This list in Romans chapter 16 is different. One of the things that it, it, it seems to be is, is Paul is introducing these people to each other. Introducing the church to the church. Now, in the last 20, 
two weeks or so, you know that the church in Rome, in our study of the book of Romans, has struggled with the implications of the Gospel. The Gentiles and the Jews were very uncomfortable with each other under the same roof. They had different views, some of them, on the place of Rome in God's scheme of things. There were others that had different views on what proper food was and what was not proper food. There were some in the church that thought it was okay to have a glass of wine while others were horrified at the very idea and could not get their mind around that. There were some who were still trying to figure out what it meant to, li- what it meant to, 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 to be a Christian and to live as a Christian. And they were stumbling and perhaps some of them were even coming close to failing. And all of that was an emotional drain on the church. It appears that the church in Rome was scattered throughout the city in little groups. Now, perhaps that was just a matter of logistics, but probably not. And so Paul reminds them throughout the book that regardless of their background, they had a couple of things in common, and all of this that they had in common would draw them together into one body. He reminded them that they were all guilty of falling short of the, of the glory of God and that they were separated from God and that their only hope was God's personal human project where He brought people back into His presence through faith in the Messiah, faith in Christ Jesus, and what the Messiah had accomplished through the death, burial, and the resurrection. And that was true for both Jew and Gentile. And at the end of the book, Paul begins to introduce the church to the church. And this list in Romans 16, I think, is different from most of the other lists found in the Bible. Listen to what Paul writes to this church. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Great Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved who has approved uh, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus and Phlegon and Hermes and Patrobus, Hermas and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus and Julia and Nerus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. And that is God's Word. Lots of names, right? 26 in all, if you were keeping count. And in most cases, not all, there is a personal note. Now, you may not have noticed, but there is a man and his mother. There's Rufus and his his mother. 
There is a brother and his sister, Nerus and his sister. There are sisters together, probably twins, Tryphena and Tryphosa. There is an old man by the name of Epinetus and a single woman named Mary and a single man named Herodian. Now, from a sociological standpoint, there is not a lot of nuclear family here, except that Christ has called them into His church and made them His body. It's just a list of names to us, people we don't know, long dead, mostly forgotten to the earth, but not to Paul. It's more than a list. Imagine for a moment the scenario. Paul is getting up in age, but he knows that as long as he lives, there's going to be a mission out there for him in the world for God's kingdom. And now his eyes are set towards the west to Spain. But to get to Spain, you have to go through Rome. And right now he's in Corinth. He's at the home of Gaius, and he's beginning to gather his things together, get his suitcases, his his parchments together. It's time to go. And Paul is not getting any younger, and he's beginning to feel the wear and the tear in his bones And he's also at that age where he's old enough to be truly nostalgic. And as he's gathering all of his things, he begins to think about what he's heard about the things that are happening in the church in Rome and the people who live there. And his mind begins to wander to their faces. And when he gets to their faces, he begins to think of their stories. Do we not do the same thing? While Ellen and I were working and ministering in Brazil, there were a group of ladies from our supporting church in La Mesa, California, that spent nine months, nearly a year, piecing together a quilt with the names of the members of that church. They had autographed those blocks, and they hand-stitched those autographs, those signatures, onto those blocks and made this amazingly gigantic quilt. And they sent it down with two people representing the church, and they presented it to us in our home. And for the years that Ellen and I lived in Brazil with our children, that quilt with all of those names lay on top of our bed. And often as we were sometimes laying underneath it and sometimes while we were getting dressed, we would look at that quilt and we would see a name. And with that name would come a face. And we would ask, I wonder how that person's doing. Betty Ebge who you don't know, but in our last conversation before she died, said over and over, pray without ceasing, pray without ceasing, be a man of prayer, Mark, be a man of prayer. And then there's Kenny McClure, who never said much, but uh, and there were times when we thought that he was going to get carpal tunnel from cranking on that pepper mill. He loved pepper that much. But he was always available to fix a car and to unclog a drain we'd see Bill and Imogene Hart. This Bill Hart, whose wife Imogene suffered a stroke and whose daughter survived a point-blank gunshot to the face all in the same year. And he took care of both of them without a hint of complaint. There's the Jordans, whose daughter I performed a wedding ceremony for some 20 years after she was a part of our youth group there. And then there's Tom, who was a combat Marine in Vietnam, who suffered a flashback. And the authorities had to go up into the mountains there in Southern California near San Diego to bring him home. In his gentler moments, he cultivated beautiful gardens around the church building. That quilt is more than a list of names. And Romans 16 is more than a list of names to Paul. Aquila and Priscilla, they risked their necks 
for me. They risked their necks for me. He talks about Andronicus and Junius. We were in jail together. They're solid in their faith. There's Mary who worked hard. She was always the last one to leave the building. Paul, you go home. You get some rest. I'll pick up the rest of the bulletins and the empty Starbucks cups left in the pews. Well, Mary, you've been here all day too. You've got to be a little weary as well. Yes, but I don't have to walk to Asia Minor tomorrow. You go home and get a little bit of rest. You always remember the ones that work hard. You always remember your first converts. Eponidas, an old man who was the first convert to Christ in Asia Minor, the first one to hear and to believe and to repent and to be baptized. That first convert is, is one that you never forget. All of those nights that you lay in bed praying to God about all of these people that, that you're studying with and that you're representing Christ to and wondering if anyone, if a single one, will ever respond to any of the words that you speak about the Gospel. My first Brazilian convert was a young man named Kiko. I thank God that someone finally understood the Gospel despite my broken Portuguese. I remember Chris Howard in Lawrence, Kansas, six foot five, big enough to be a linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs, had been a tank commander in the first Gulf War, had become so excited about the gospel that one Sunday night, right after the announcements, as I stepped to the back of the auditorium, he got up, came out and grabbed me and said, I've got to be baptized right now. At six foot five, we get into the baptistry. I did not allow for his height. And I slammed his head into the side of the baptistry. It sounded like a tank going off. Kabam! Lifted him back up. I said, how many fingers am I holding up? He said, all of them. I said, it took, folks. <laughs> he led others to Christ. Paul talks about Tryphena and Tryphosa, obviously twins. I'm reminded of the famous yet dubious names of the, the twins of the governor of Texas, Ima and Ura Hogg. Their names also remind me of the twin girls who rode the joy bus in Abilene, Texas, Corvette and Chevette. True story. He says, Greet Rufus and his mother, who is a mother to me as well. This apostle, this, this Paul, with all that he went through for the Gospel, wherever he traveled, and all of the things, the trouble and the turmoil and the joy and the blessing and the mountains and the valley that he went through for the Gospel had someone that he called mother. Paul would stay with her when he came to town. And preaching out in the marketplace, he would come in at the evening, sorry, I'm late, mother, what's for supper? She would say, don't sit down until you've washed your hands and face. I don't care if you are an apostle, you have to wash those hands, make sure the soap touches them. And Paul writes, tell my mother hello. Romans 16 is more than a list. It's more than a list. I remember the first time I saw the list of names in Washington, D.C. Ellen and I walked past a reflecting pool through a grove of trees, past a couple of statues, and there it was. This long, black marble wall of names. Vietnam names. And there were people there that would look somberly at the wall from a distance while others would stand up right close to it and put a finger up against a name and caress it very gently. 
one woman that we saw there tenderly and softly kissed one of the names on that wall. Others would lay tiny bouquets of flowers. Others, little tiny American flags against it. To those people, it was more than a list of names. When I first entered ministry, computers were the size of gymnasiums. And the affordable personal computer was still years away. And now, lo, these three decades later, I carry a telephone slash computer in my pocket. And I have the, uh, the church app like many of you have. And you open up that app and you see the list of names and you see the faces of the people in our church family, in our directory. I see names and I see faces and I think of births and marriages and funerals and dinners and tragedies and tears and laughter. I see a name and I think of a family who came out of drug addiction to become disciples of Jesus. I see another name and I think of behind the scenes generosity of a couple who wanted nothing more than to help bear the burden of others, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I see another name and remember how this person took care of a sick spouse for years and years and years. I see another name and I think how this person's little daughter lay critically ill in ICU and he was more frightened than he ever had been in his entire life. And when he walked into the waiting room, the first people he saw were the people in this auditorium. And over the years, he has had in his career opportunities to move to other places. He has always turned them down to stay here because of the people in this auditorium. Paul had a name for that in Rome. And we have a name for it in San Antonio. It's called the church. If you don't have that app, you might get it. From time to time, you might want to open it up, not because you need a phone number or an email address, but you might open it up to remember the ones who helped you and prayed for you and taught you and encouraged you or the ones who stood beside you when you felt weak and you didn't have the strength to go on. And take it wherever you go, even when you travel, Because these are the people who love you and pray for you and keep you accountable for your faith even when no one is looking. And when your life is ended on earth and you find yourself at the entrance of God's heaven, imagine bumping into Paul. And Paul sees the phone in your hand and he's never seen one before. He asks what it is. You show him the phone and you show him the app and he said, you know, ministry would have been so easier, so much easier in the first century if we would have had one of those. What's it for? And you let him know that, well, this, this, this app, it's, it's the names of the, of the people that I shared life with. It's the names of the people that, that I shared my life with. And you know what kind of guy Paul is. Paul's got to see it. So he says, let me see it. Let me, let me see that thing. And you say, well, it's, it's not much. It's just a list of the people who if it were not for them, I would not have made it to this place. Paul is a persistent kind of a guy. 
He says, well, open it up. Let me see. Let me see how this thing works. Let me see it. And you open it up and you show it to him. And he says, oh, oh, I know those people. I passed them a few minutes ago. They were hanging a banner across the street that says, Welcome home. That list in Romans 16, after all of the things that Paul has written about the greatness of the grace, grace of God, the grace of Christ, the cross, the salvation, the atonement, how God is bringing everybody together And what he's doing in Romans 16 is introducing the church to the church. And when you really think about it, all of those things that he cared about and were concerned about and wrote about those people in Romans chapter 16 are the kinds of things that we would write about each other. That when we think about the journey of faith and that long pilgrimage to God's heaven, and we think about the people that have stood beside us and walked beside us and prayed for us, and even the people that that stretched us and challenged us, and even those that confronted us and helped us to live a better life, all of those people make up the one body that Christ died for. And all of a sudden, when we look at that directory of that app, it's more than a list. It's our family. It's our family. Maybe you've never joined God's family. This morning is an opportunity for you to do that. We're going to have a couple of our shepherds down here at the front. And if there are some ways that we can present the Gospel and how to, how to trust Christ's promises, how to trust the sacrifice that He made on the cross and, 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 to, and to walk through that with you, to help you understand how you become adopted as a son of God or a daughter of God, we want to do that this morning. Or if as a member of this church family you've been struggling with some some issues or struggling with some decisions and these are the people more than anything else that you know love you and care for you and pray for you and want what's best for you even when they do not know what's going on in your life. Just to be around them energizes you and, and, and jazzes you up a little bit because these are the people that want eternity for you. If there's anything that we can help you with as a family, we want you to come forward and talk to these shepherds as we stand and praise God together. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together with hearts that cannot be broken. Bind us together, Lord, bind us together.